God, horrible nightmare then that we'd uh, that we'd um, sunk so low as to have uh, a month dedicated to one particular film. That would be a ridiculous thing to do. Anyway, I'll just check all these current social medias that everyone should follow, and uh, you know, I'm glad we're here at Creative Psychopaths, a horror movie podcast, and we haven't had to. Oh, oh, gonna go back to sleep now, anyway. <laughs> Hello everyone and welcome to Creative Psychopaths, a horror movie podcast. It's September, so we're doing a September sleepover. So for the first three weeks, we're going to be covering the first three Nightmare on Elm Street movies. This is week two, so we're dipping into Nightmare on Elm Street 2, Freddy's Revenge. I think he was trying to get revenge in the first one, but um, we'll get to that, I'm sure. Um, Obviously, as always, I've got Matthew with me. Good evening. And uh, returning to the podcast is Alistair. Hello. Sorry, I can kick the unmute button. Thank you for having me back. (laughs) You're more than welcome to be back because here we we are in September doing a lovely sleepover. Oh, yes. Got our pajamas on. Got fluffy bunny slippers. Fluffy bunny slippers. We've played some sleepover games and now we're oh, gonna play... I, bought a, I bought a ouija board oh excellent excellent why not i did a ouija board in a wood once on my own on your own hmm. i mean that sounds like it should be a scary situation i just feel really sad for you well i was youtubing at the time and i thought it would be a good idea how did it turn out it was it was it was good actually um i wasn't expecting it to move and it did Ooh. Um, and like so there you go you you made friends along the way that's what we're talking about i came back to it uh, and i was going i I was going i genuinely wasn't moving or at least i didn't feel like it was moving it it was moving itself on its own and um i think it spelled mike t and then it just Um, went then it just went to goodbye i think mike t is a famous rapper Mm. is that what he's trying to tell you start your rap career maybe Maybe I'll we'll, we'll, uh, we'll release a bonus episode where you drop your famous rap, you know, yeah. your freestyles. Yeah, I can't see that happening. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, uh, yeah. So we're going to play one more sleepover game. Uh, we're going to do Would You Rather a game again. Um, so, Alistair, do you want to kick us off? Oh, absolutely. Okay. So your life. Is now in someone else's hands. Would you rather your life be written by Stephen King or directed by Wes Craven? I think that depends on what character you are in said books. Well, you're going to be the main character, so you'll probably survive. Whatever so you'll, the you'll live, but you won't live well. Potentially. 
But then again, like which Stephen King book is it? Because I mean, he's you know he's written some quite nice ones. He has. I mean, some nice. Is that, ones. Is that the chance he, he, you've got to take? That's what. That's the risk. I mean, with Wes Craven, you know what you're going to get most of the time. With Stephen King, you're going to get this really fifties nostalgia. You're going to be white picket fences and the suburbia, or could it be something really sinister lurking underneath. I think I'm going to take Stephen King. I think it's more interesting. Um, I've been churning through a lot of Stephen King recently, and um, you know, it's good. Yeah, I, 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 I quite fancy a bit of that. Like you say, you know, in most cases, you're going to survive the issue, and it, I might even, I might even learn something along the way. Yeah, I mean, wasn't they certainly going to direct? trauma onto you that's what Stephen king is very good at it's like un- unnerving trauma just bubbling under the surface so like... <laughs> I-, I think i'm gonna have to go with wes craven Ooh. just because thinking about it stephen king has killed off his main characters in quite a few of the books so i think you know shining jack torrance dies Carrie dies. Yeah. That that in buying itself is enough for me to say I'll take my chances. And uh, I, I think the guy from Christine also dies. You can always be a car. Um, is it mile 81? I think there's another one with a, a car that garbles people up. That's a bad one. That's bad Stephen <laughs> King. In fact, he did too. I don't think the guy that owns the car in Christine is actually the main character either. It's his friend who tells the whole story. So yeah, it makes sense. I'm gonna, I think yeah, I'm gonna go down I think I'm road. settling for Wes Craven. I'm I'm holding by my uh, my reasoning. I think <laughs> fair enough. <laughs> what about you, Alistair? What are you, what are you saying for that? Oh, it's really tempting to go with Stephen King because you got that starry-eyed imagery that Stephen King's famous for. You know, he's got such a good way with just creating this world that you get to inhabit and i'm a huge fan of americana you know that whole thing that he's really good at but also that psychological tension i feel like i'll just be exhausted all my life where at least with west craven it's like well you have something once really bad happen to you and then that's the end and you just kind of like go off like you might die or you might just sail off and thing but more often than not, you just have one really bad thing happen to you and you just get to carry on with the rest of your life. So that's why I'll probably pick Wes Craven. Fair enough. Right, who's next? Do you want me to go next? I don't mind. Yeah, go for it. Okay, so would you rather watch the videotape from the ring and, and die in seven days or would you rather have to keep looking over your shoulder for the dude from It Follows? Oh, that's a good one. Well, I mean, you know, if it's the, you know, the thing from It Follows, it would mean that I got laid at some point. So life's already looking up on that. Regard. Yeah, listen, that, that scale is tipping up on that It Follows yeah. already. And and I've said before, you know, it's, it's quite easy to pass that one on, really. All you need is a few quid. <laughs> I, I see, again, I don't want to sound morose, but I'd rather just get it over with. Like knowing that in the future, this bad thing is going to happen to me eventually. 
I'd rather just like, I'll watch The Ring. I'll just, I'll spend that next seven days just really living it up. You know, I'll go to Vegas, you know, I'll go do all the things I want to do. And then I'll just chill out in the living room waiting for Samara to just crawl out of the TV. Yeah, I think as well with the thing from It Follows, I mean, you kind of got a chance. You can have a go at fighting it off. Yeah, they did. They fight him off in the in the movie, yeah. So yeah, you just, just got to be on your toes, aren't you? I also don't want to see my mum naked wasn't just chasing up, uh, walking after me. That would just be awful, though. Because it will just do some awful crap like that. You know, every single ex-girlfriend you see is just suddenly walking behind you. It's like, right, is that really her? Because I really can't be asked with this. Or it could be the It Follows Demon. It could just be like, it could take the form of something quite nice, though. <laughs> well, what's the nice thing to be following you? I don't know. Uh... <laughs> I can't think of anything. Ice Cream like, Man. The Ice Cream Man, yeah. Uh, as long as it's from that horror movie, Ice Cream Man. Clint, Clint Howard. I yeah, I think I'm, I'm going to go with the It Follows. I reckon. I'm yeah. going to... I'm going to take the ring too for the same reason as Alistair. If I know it's coming, I'm just going to live it up for seven days. I would hate to keep looking over my shoulder. And I get the feeling, I might be wrong, that that the end of it follows, it is still following them or not. It's left ambiguous, intentional, I think. Well, you got to, as long as it's passed on enough times, then chances are you'll be safe. Yeah. And also with the... The, uh, the it follows you know that when you die you are just passing it on to the person that gave it to you and it's, like, it's just a continuous cycle where if you watch the ring video and you're like okay I'll just destroy this tape and then just no one else has to deal with it so basically what you're saying here is that you're both better people than me yeah martyrs right yeah I'm, <laughs> a, I'm not here to argue on that front <laughs> right uh, well yeah Okay. Matthew, your go. <laughs> right. So would you rather watch the three worst horror films that you've ever seen back to back without any breaks or watch every Treehouse of Horror Simpsons episode only after season 10 without a break? Oof. I know my answer. It took me a few seconds, but... For me, easily, it will be watching all the Treehouse of Horrors. Now, don't get me wrong. I think, obviously, Simpsons post-season 10 tends to be a bit of a downfall. But I think there probably is enough jokes and stuff. And I haven't seen them. That's the benefit, is that I have not seen them. So I get to watch all these things. And it's at worst, it's going to be just bad parodies of films that I probably do enjoy where I know I'm going to suffer through those three worst horror movies I've seen. They're not going to be scary. They're not going to be exciting. They're not going to be funny or entertaining. And I have to sit through them. And I just don't want to do that again. Mm. If you watch three bad horror films, you're going to get what? Around four and a half to six hours of crap. Right. Whereas I reckon that the Treehouse of Horrors, you're going to be there for like 11 hours. Wait, so bear in I, mind, you're not allowed to break. You're not allowed to stop. Am I allowed a friend? No. By yourself, locked in a room. Yeah, I'll take The Simpsons as well then. Um, mostly based on the fact that, like Alistair says, I probably haven't seen them. 
Whereas I don't want to watch the crap I've already watched. I mean, the average episode of Simpsons is like 20 minutes. And then you've got post-season 10, maybe what 24 seasons. You're only looking at, that is about 11 hours. Crap, yeah, that is a long time. <laughs> that is a long time. Oh, yeah, no breaks. Uh, it'd have to be the horror movies then, because I'd never get through without a pee. I mean, oh, you can we... oh I can. Oh, well, yeah, I'll, take, yeah. I'll take the but Simpsons You're then. just not in a, you know... Treehouse of Horrors playing while you do it. It's just going to be where you are. If you've got, and you've got a glass with you, book it, you'll be right. I don't, I, I, the days of peeing in <laughs> buckets are long in my past and in my future. So, uh, yeah, I'm sticking with The Simpsons. <laughs> I'll agree to The Simpsons as well. I'll play it on my phone and then I can take that anywhere I like. <laughs> okay, that's a good workaround. I, I will also go with that as well. <laughs> just because of the simpsons even bad simpsons is actually no that's not true i'm gonna say even bad simpsons is still all right but i think even not the, always <laughs> maybe the worst treehouse of horror is still okay because the treehouse of horrors were always the best at least up there with some of the best of the seasons yeah and it, as a treat you can uh, forget in three you can watch the first 10 oh that's actually nice. first nine because there wasn't one in the first season that's so kind. That's so kind of you to let us have that. Thank you. Um, I was the once maybe that's, sound maybe that's a bonus episode we need to do. Oh, honestly, yeah. that is absolutely a bonus episode you need to do. I want to see all of the Treehouse of Horrors being reviewed. Ha- Halloween. So well, I was thinking Halloween episode with a guest picks their favorite uh, parody each, and we'll have a chat about it. Um, mm. I, I, my mouth just filled with saliva thinking of all my favorite Halloween Simpsons episodes. Well, if Mark don't fancy it, then Alistair, me and you will just record a bonus episode Boom. and upload it without um. telling him. <laughs> <laughs> You're more well, than welcome to, to do team. that. You're more than welcome to do that. Um, yeah, but <laughs> that's the one I would do. Okay, um, I'll, let, I'll let you have that then. No, no, I'll, I'll go for a nightmare on Evergreen Terrace. You're, do- the- You're doing this yourselves. You just said I don't have to get involved. <laughs> I want to do the one with. I think I want to do the one with uh, the evil crusty doll. Yeah, that's a good one. Just for the the whole interaction when he's buying it, it's one of my favourite Simpsons bits. Oh, this one is also a cast. Uh, <laughs> actually, quite like the one where Homer gets Snake's hair. Hell to pay. It's good. That's not bad at all. And again, that's a later season. I think that might be nine or ten. Hell to pay. Very clever. <laughs> Those Harvard <sighs> boys, they know what they're doing. Yeah, they do. Right. Well, there you go then. So we've, we've re- relaxed into the episode with a lovely little game of um, Would You Rather? And we'd all rather do something or other. Uh, now, would we rather watch this movie? Well, let's find out everyone's history with the movie. I'll go first on this one because, to be quite honest, I've written this as a question, but I can't tell you I've got a lot of history with Freddy's Revenge in so much as I had seen it before this. Um, and remember disliking it intensely. Um, well, not intensely, but I remember not enjoying it. Um, so this is a this time of watching it is literally the second time I've watched it because, mm-hmm. and I've been through the nightmares before quite a few times, but I usually just skip this one. Um, so yeah, uh, that, that's sort of my history with this one. Um, I think you've got a more of a history with it, Alistair. So we'll let Matthew go first. Well, that's my thing. I, I have zero history with it. 
Yeah. Uh, historically, I've only seen the first one. Uh, I have seen the second one now. I'm not just going to sit here and let other people do all the work. Uh, so, uh, yeah, more or less completely blank slate going into this one. I actually, first time I started to watch this movie was actually at a sleepover when I was about seven years old. Oh, and right. within the first five minutes, as soon as Freddie stands up at the beginning of the movie and on the bus scene and turns around, I went, nope, not enjoying this. And I sat in the kitchen for the remainder of that movie while my friends all sat around and watched it. Like the person in charge came out and said, are you okay? Are you all right? What's wrong? It's like, I just had the wherewithal at that age. Like, I will not have fun watching this movie. I will be scared and that is not good for me. So I'm going to sit here and read one of these old mid 90s medical books that show you how to do first aid. And that's what I did. And my brother sat there and watched that whole movie and he had nightmares for a shit while. So I won that round. And then when I started getting into my horror and, you know, started to really come of age and once I started to really understand horror. And I remember watching this and I, much like you, Mark, I was like, eh, it's fine. Nothing really special. Couldn't really pinpoint what I didn't enjoy about it. And then the older I got, the more I kept coming back to this movie and be like, I know there's something about this movie that I keep coming back to accidentally or on purpose for some just keep watching this movie it becomes and always the second one not not the franchise oh, no, I, as a whole honestly like the first movie is still my favorite of the franchise by a good country mile i would say that this comes a, a second though like this the third movie is pretty damn good so that kind of like is on equal pegging i really do like new nightmare uh i would say the rest of the movies kind of just are on this bottom rung. Like they're they're fine and they've got some moments, but they are all bottom rung. The others are scattered upwards. Nightmare on Elm Street top, the other three somewhere fluctuating. Yeah. But when I heard that you were going to do this, uh, this sleepover September, I remember immediately I was at work. Sorry if any of my work friends are listening. Yeah, I skived off work for a little bit because I had to message you and say, please let me on this movie. Please let me review this movie. I really want to be on this review because I genuinely have a big love for this movie. Not just because of the queer overtones, but because I genuinely think it's actually one of the good Nightmare on Elm Street movies in the franchise, which got so silly and so dumb. This is one of the better ones. And I'm willing to fight in that corner. Well, we'll see. We'll find out if it comes to a punch up later then. Yeah. Um, up. So Matthew's got uh, the plot run down again. So I do. um I'm gonna pass the microphone over. Uh, it looks like I have almost. <laughs> do you have the same model? Yeah, shout out to uh, yeah. what's the brand of make? It's a blue snowball. Pretty much everyone's got a blue snowball. <laughs> what do they say about not eating blue snow? It's got antifreeze That's in a, it. That was bad, I'm sorry. It's just really sad snow. Oh. Or it's a raspberry slush puppy. There you go. Could be. Yeah, when did blue raspberry become a thing? I don't know, I it's, it's been around been for as long thing. as I it's, know. It's always yeah. been around, but like, how, how did that come to be? It's got to be because they 
they had strawberry already as a flavor and they're like well we can't just have another red flavor so we had to change the coloring to make it raspberry well there's there's horror for you e-numbers right there oh yeah disgusting well anyway enough about my uh my ramblings on slush puppies and uh blue raspberry uh let's get into the film then so yeah so we're doing uh halloween kills and no i thought i thought i'd get a reaction but it didn't no i was uh, i was just like has he got the wrong script my brain gonna... my brain went off and i was just like all right halloween <laughs> kills whatever yeah let's do that one it's uh, fine we did it already but yeah it was all oh, right it's yeah. uh nightmare on elm street 2 freddy's revenge what he's getting revenge for who knows? Who knows? <laughs> worst, it's, it's the worst title of the entire franchise, I will say. It's just, it, it's no, it doesn't make sense in this context. And the opening scene where it just comes up in this weird action movie font, hated it. Hate that moment. Uh, so it's from 1986. So a couple of years after the, uh, the first one came out. So it's green light lit pretty straight away. Uh, Wes Craven didn't come back for it though. Uh, it was directed by Jack Shoulder and written by David Chaskin. The cast, though, Robert England does come back as Freddy Krueger, but the rest of the cast is pretty much all brand new. Uh, So we've got Mark Patton as Jesse Walsh, Kim Myers as Lisa Webber, uh, Robert Russler as Ron Grady, Clue Goolajar, I think, as Mr. Walsh, and Hope Lang as Mrs. Walsh. Uh, Got a pretty hefty increase on the budget, so it went from one point million for the one point one million dollars for the first one to three million for the second one, uh, and it grossed twenty nine million nine hundred ninety nine thousand two hundred and thirteen dollars, or as normal people would say, thirty million dollars. Good innings. Uh, it's it's a very profitable film, but it's a massive decrease on the original, which was fifty seven. So it's yeah, not uh, not nearly as successful. Uh, but still, you take that, don't you? What ten time return on the uh, the production budget? So Sequels. it's a good hit. Uh, so yeah, let's get into the plot then. So as we uh, as we mentioned, it starts with a bus, and then we get the big scary title card with the uh, the font that's on the like the poster with the big red writing, uh, and then yeah, just impact font, Freddy's Revenge afterwards. <laughs> It's so crazy because it's really cool where it looks like it's scratching the Nightmare on Elm Street. It's like, oh, that's really cool. And it happens so quickly. It looks like a violent act. And then suddenly, Freddy's Revenge. Oh, boo, boo. I mean, this was sort of the era of, you know, action in Hollywood, isn't it? So it's maybe they just had a discount on the typeface and got it cheap. (laughs) Someone just had it left over. Oh, look, we could just use this here. Yeah, I'm not sure why they came with the title Freddy's Revenge. It's so such a bad title. I think Freddy's Return would have just been Freddy's Return, or just Nightmare on Elm Street Part Two would have been absolutely fine. Yeah, that, that would have that would have been fine. <laughs> anyway, let's get well, off yes. that. So we uh, we get this uh, this school bus, and it is full of students, and they they'll get off gradually, uh, and then there is a focus put on this awkward. Uh, Casey Affleck looking emo dude. Greasy, greasy emo dude. Yeah. And was left with just this guy and a couple of girls. And the bus just starts 
going really fast, all shaky, and it goes off the road and into some fields. Uh, it just keeps rattling around, and then we see the knife hand from the first film uh, going onto the uh, the gear stick, and everybody's all scared and afraid. Eventually, the bus stops, and then out the window, the uh, the ground starts falling away, and we see that the bus is left quite precariously perched on a couple of uh, big pillars uh, that haven't fallen. And then that's when we see Freddy step away from the driver's seat in his full glory, and he walks towards the students very menacingly, and does the bit of the scratching coming down the seats and scratches the roof a bit. Yeah. Oh, that, that, that bit's great. And then he uh, he reaches out to Slash and then whack, tomatoes. And we just see uh, a family just uh, cutting up some tomatoes for breakfast in a kitchen. Hmm. And we uh, we hear a very blood-curdling scream. It's... I think a theme for the film is this, is that is it's a proper scream our Jesse's got on him, isn't it? It's a great scream. It's such a proper... It's a scream queen scream. You can pair that up with something like uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre style horror scream. He nails those. Yeah, he does, yeah. That opening scene, like... Um... I was watching it this time because, like I say, I haven't seen it in such a while. And I thought, oh, yeah, you can really see that they've increased the budget here. And I think mm. to a degree, I think they spent quite a lot of budget in this. <laughs> in yeah, there. that bus sequence does look really good. Like it when does they look really good. You know, the seeing the, the ground crumble underneath the bus, that's some great budgeting. You know, that's some great visual effects. Yeah, I think it, it, it is a, just a very strong scene, full stop, isn't it? Mm. Like it's a good opener. Yeah, yeah, backs up the tension. And again, because of how awful Jesse looks in that scene, it doesn't look like he's maybe the main character because, like, who would want to follow this weird-looking guy? So it just seems like the opening kill montage. Yeah, the, the, the two girls in the scene certainly look more uh, central, film-central. Yeah. Appropriate, uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but no, Jesse. Uh, Jesse is the main character, and we uh, we see him waking up, and he's he's a very sweaty boy. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, but he comes downstairs and says that he's been having trouble sleeping, and so they all talk around breakfast as they, they do. And his uh, sister is rooting through some cereal boxes, which is for a oh. cereal called Fu Manchu's. So inappropriate. Yeah, but as a pun. It's, it's great punnage, but oh uh, yeah, that's that doesn't hold up well. Yeah, but just for for the pun alone, I thought it warranted a mention because it has no bearing on the plot. <laughs> she just pulls out some spooky nails as a, a cereal box toy. So I don't have cereal anymore. Do they give? Have they stopped doing toys and cereal? I was, I was gonna ask that. I right? haven't had a cereal yes. toy in ages. Yes, they have. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that sucks. I remember. My brother always used to steal it. Like, you know, we come downstairs and the cereal box is bulging. Like, oh, I know what he's done. He's pulled the bag out, rooted around, found it, and then put it all back, stuffed it in. So wait, what What the kids use to top their pencils now? I think they don't use pencils. Talk. 
Fortnite. Yeah. I don't the, know. The pencil topper industry's collapsed. <laughs> do they even use pencils anymore? I think kids just go in and want to just do everything with like a minority report style screen. Hmm. It's, really a strange, it's a strange world and I don't like it. <laughs> Old man, you oh. have that cloud. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I want my pencil toppers back. <laughs> I want a Wallace and Gromit pencil topper like back in my day. <laughs> or like a free book. No, I'm not a nerd. Oh. So, uh, <laughs> oh, <dear>. so <laughs> the, uh, yeah, after the, uh, the heyday of cereal where toys and puns would feature on the, on the boxes, uh, Lisa arrives and we, we meet her and uh, together her and Dressy drive to school. She really does look like Meryl Streep, doesn't she? She does, doesn't she? Yeah. Like, I think she got hired because of how much she looked like Meryl Streep. And she's a great actress. She's, she went on to do some really cool stuff, but you're always going to be that girl that really looks like Meryl Streep. Yeah, she does, yeah. She's attractive, though. Oh, yeah. No, 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 no question here. And Meryl yeah. Streep's attractive. That's why. Yeah, yeah. So they, uh, together, they, they do go to school. And then we just ask, this is the weirdest school PE scene I've ever seen in film. Just like, they just got loads of people doing archery in a crowded field full of Why people. next to play baseball. Yeah, uh, but it's not, it's not baseball. It's like some underarm rounders kind of version. Yeah, like and they're not even playing a real sport. It's just a version of baseball that they I think it's softball I think that's what that is that's what it's underarm it's softball (laughs) rounders I'm (laughs) caught but uh but there's this this weird uh piggy in the middle bit as well I, I mean I'm I think I've got a fairly all right understanding of the rules of baseball but I've never seen anyone do a piggy in the middle between second and third base as to uh, how to get the uh, the batter out. So uh, I didn't come from a very rich family, but I still managed to have a mega drive growing up and we didn't get all the, the best up-to-date games, but I did get the second-hand baseball games and that was legitimately a thing where it was, you could pass it back and forth wasn't to try and catch people out. It appears to be an actual thing in baseball. Okay. Well, I'm, it, I'm not going to argue with the Mega is. Drive. <laughs> I will bow to the good people of Sega. I quite enjoyed previous to that when Jesse gets clonked on the head with a baseball. There. <laughs> yeah. Well, so yeah, I did. I did miss that. Bit. <laughs> so I mean, even I mean, consider yourself lucky. There's there's arrows flying around. If you get a baseball to the head, that's not the worst thing that could happen to you. Yeah, but true. <laughs> so another bad thing happens to him though, because when the plane piggy in the middle, uh, Ron, uh, who we uh, we meet here, and Jesse get into a bit of a, a bit of scuffle, and Ron kecks Jesse, so we get get to see a nice bit of bum. Mm-hmm. Only nudity we see in this movie. And uh, as as a punishment, the PE teacher makes them do some uh, some press ups, and while Are they're they doing press ups. It don't even look yeah. like they're doing press ups. It looks like fuck knows what it looks like. It looks yeah, like the, my my planking. <laughs> it's uh, I'm gonna lay down, put my hands near my head, 
and then I'm going to struggle to breathe. And that's the kind of push-ups I like to do. There, there is no straight back and lower body strength on the on foot. The core is not engaged in these I, press-ups. I can understand Jesse. He's like maybe not like the most uh, like physically physical guy. But Ron, what's that? he's he should be able to do some actual press-ups. I don't understand why he's struggling. I would say I should be able to do press ups. I reckon I could get press up. I reckon I can get one good one in, and then I'm then I'm out. Uh, but while they're doing these uh, so called press ups, uh, Ron tells Jesse that the uh, the PE teacher uh, has a thing for the kids and spends his weekends going to S and M clubs, which may come up later. Uh, then next time we see them, they are in the changing rooms, and Jesse tells Ron uh, that he's just moved on to Elm Street. And then Ron tells him uh, that he's an idiot for doing so and that some chick there went crazy and saw a boyfriend butchered. Uh, which, as we know from uh, last week, yeah, I understood happened that in the first film. Hmm. Uh, then, yeah, next we, uh, we see Jesse in bed and he wakes up and goes downstairs and then sees some uh, movement in the garden. And he goes to investigate and just round the side of the house, uh, the small window. And he looks in and he sees that Freddy's burning stuff down in the basement furnace. Uh, so he goes inside and opens the cellar door. And he sees a few shadows and goes to close it, but has a bit of a fight on his hands. And he tries to run and walks straight into Freddy. And Freddy tells him that... Uh, Basically, he needs Jesse and that together they have work to do. And Jesse's going to be the body and Freddy's the brain. And then in true Freddy Krueger fashion, he deforms himself just by pulling his scalp off. I need you, Jesse. We got special work to do here, you and me. Again, a really cool effect. Yeah, we get to see the gooey goodness underneath. It's throbbing. It's just greasy and gooey. I will say this is the scariest Freddy Krueger has looked in any of the Halloween uh, Nightmare on Elm Street movies. Like they really upped the physicality of it. Like they, the I remember reading something that they wanted to make him look like a witch. So he's got that elongated nose thing going on. He's got those red eyes. They shoot him like he's a villain, like he's a monster, like this otherworldly being. And I think there's no other movie he looks this scary. I would agree with you and at this part of the film. Mm. I think by the end of the film, he looks a bit daft. We'll get to the end yeah. of the movie. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, yeah, it's at this point, after the uh, the scalping, that uh, Jesse does one of those good old screams that he's uh, famous for on this podcast. And he wakes up. And his parents come in and just tells him it was a bad dream. And then... 
we get to school again and Jesse uh, does what I'm I'm now going to deem a nightmare on Elm Street trope. So we'll find out in the third one if it happens again, where he falls asleep in school. Uh, but instead of seeing uh, his friend in a in a body bag being dragged off by nothing, uh, he just gets a snake put on him. Yeah, like who? Like the snake is in real life as well. So he, so, yeah, so I, I got this. He dreams about the snake. The snake's also real. And then the teacher has a go at him for having a snake on him. Who who put the snake on him? Because that doesn't seem to be anyone. I mean, it's, so, it's implied it's Ron, but... so Yeah, but Ron's across the room. Did the teacher not see any of it? And then again, like the way I saw it was that there was just like the teacher had a snake in the room and it got out and it just slivered and just climbed on him. That's the closest I can get to it kind of making sense. But the fact that no one raises an alarm or says anything about a snake cl- uh, slivering onto him must imply that they knew that it was there and they intentionally wanted it to be there. But then why have a, a go at him for it? Maybe it's like a friendly snake that just does that at school. It, it looked like a friendly snake. It was wrapping itself around his neck. Nobody in the oh, class seemed God. too alarmed about it. Yeah. Like... Even if, like, yeah, this is a friendly snake. I, I'm, I'm standing by the snake. The snake's, the snake's a good guy. And... Oh yeah, the snake, snake didn't hurt nobody. Yeah, like I say, it's like you said, it's implied that Ron put him, put it on there. But um, you see, I, I've got this weird, like, it's tricky the dynamic between Jesse and Ron, like, because later on it seems like they're the best friends in the entire world, but here it's not entirely sure whether they're bullying bully. at the minute Ron's the antagonist isn't it yeah but then also in that same scene in the classroom they sort of they have a bit of a Jesse's like you know fuck you sort of thing sort of a it, mo- uh, moment I've... between friends anyway you know what I don't want to keep picking at this because otherwise we'll be here <laughs> Oh, yeah. So it's, we, we get to the end of the school day then and uh, Jesse's home again and he's about to leave the house to meet Lisa. Uh, but his dad tells him he's got to clean his room first. And this is where we get a very, very cringy dance routine while he cleans his bedroom. And it's mm-hmm. all set to bad 80s pop music. And while he's doing this and potentially the most embarrassing part of uh, of the thing where he's pretending what just a cup and ball is his penis. <laughs> Uh, Lisa walks in on him and he is rightfully embarrassed. She sticks around and offers to help with the uh, the cleanup. And while she's doing so, she finds a diary and it was written by Nancy Thompson and it was done five years before. Oh I know that name. 
Yeah, so they uh, they have a read of it, and this is where we we find out about Freddy Krueger and uh, Nancy's experience with him. So see, at this point, we didn't really need to watch the first one. We could have just skipped it and come straight to this. Shame, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, <laughs> wasted time. Yeah, so if you've got last week's episode, delete it. You don't need it anymore. Yeah. If you've no. got the Norman Elm Street DVD, fire it away. Yeah, bin it. <laughs> no. Oi. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> come back. And, yeah, then we get another Jesse waking up from a dream. And all of the uh, the plastic around him this time has melted. So he's got a lampshade and a, and a vinyl record. It's all melty. And yeah, he leaves his room and goes downstairs and he goes into the cellar again because he didn't learn anything from the first time. And uh, he finds the knife glove, uh, so glove, glove uh, in the furnace. And then when he removes it, it, uh, it turns on. And then Freddie appears again and he tells Jesse to put the glove on and to kill for him. And then next we go to school again. And we find out that Lisa's hosting a party. Uh, Ron and Jesse get into a, a bit more pee-related bother. So it's just a nice little bit of a table setting for what's coming up. And then back home again. And uh, Jesse's house is uh, is real hot. And while the family are sitting in the front room, uh, their birds start going crazy, they're flying about, attacking folk, causing a ruckus, and then one just, just explodes. This and is not a good scene. I fucking love I, that exploding bird. Yeah, I like this one. I like this bit. <laughs> uh, I mean, it, it really offers nothing, but... Yeah, and it's never explained, and... Doesn't really it, make any sense. Jesse's dad actually got injured by the parakeet in the scene in real life. It was just... Yeah, and we'll say it took a, like it, I think it's like one of the longest takes in the whole movie because they kept trying to get this bird to do what it wanted, uh, what they wanted, and it's a bird and it's not easily trained. And yeah, I think I, I don't just know if it's worth, I, I was worth watching the um, sorry to interrupt you. I was watching a documentary and I think it was actually the, it was a puppet version that hurt him. Oh, interesting. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, because yeah. they had like a puppet on a stick. <laughs> just it even worse, this, really, doesn't it? Just this bird on a stick and just whacking the actor with it. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, then it explodes, which is just, it's wild. But I love it. Yeah. <laughs> uh then yeah, they have a little bit of an argument about it. Uh, Jesse's dad accuses him of putting a cherry bomb inside the bird. <laughs> which, uh, and then we get to another another after dream sequence uh, where Jesse goes downstairs and he goes into the kitchen and lightning hits the sink. Uh, and then Jesse just just wanders off, uh, goes to uh, an adult club. Uh, he orders a beer. And he's get, an given a very small glass because uh, I don't know why. I mean, you get like less than half of the bottle in it. Uh, and he also just asks for a beer rather than, you know, what beer they have there. Which is always something that annoys me. Mm-hmm. And yeah, he starts to 
poor the uh, the barman's played by well, the head of New Line Cinema at the time. Yeah, he was. Yes, His name I can't remember. Bob something. It's, it might be Bob Shager. Also, don't call me on that. Oh, Bob Shea, I think it is. I think it is just Bob yeah. Shea, yeah. And uh, yeah, this was like he asked to be in this movie, and they're like, oh, we got the perfect role for you. And it was <laughs> this. It was in a bit of a, uh, it was in a bit of an SM outfit as well, wasn't it? If memory serves. Oh, yes. Uh, yeah. There's some leather was. involved, I think. Yeah, well, the documentary said that he was he went to like on an S and M shop to buy the stuff for the character, and he took his kids in with him. Yep. <laughs> and the guy in the shop asked him to leave the kids you outside. To, you, you can't buy this while you've got your kids with you. Like you, they could be outside, but you can't, they can't be in here. Well, at least you know one person in that exchange is responsible, I guess. <laughs> and it's the guy who owns the shop. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. So, uh, yeah, we, we see uh, another fella in S&M gear uh, because the PE teacher catches Jesse while he's pouring his beer. And then instead of saying, you know, get yourself out, you're not old enough to be here or what I do in my private life is none of your business. He takes him to the school and starts making him run laps around the sports hall. Like the most sensible thing would be, I don't know why you're here, but I'm going to take you home because this is really inappropriate and I want to make sure that you get home safely. Nope. Back to school. Let's do some laps. Yeah. Well, weird. Weird, weird, weird. But yep. uh, yeah, it does some lap. Well, it does. we see him do a lap and then the, uh, the teacher shoves him into some chairs and tells him to hit the showers, uh, which he does. Uh while the teacher goes to the uh, equipment room. And while he's in there, strange things start happening. So tennis balls start popping, uh, racket strings break, and balls flying around all over the place. Yeah, balls are Uh, flying everywhere. Small balls, big balls, some as big as your head. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then a skipping rope ties him up and starts dragging him... uh, to the shower, which is similar to the bit in the uh, the first one, isn't it, with the uh, the body bag? Yeah. And these skipping ropes tie him up uh, against a couple of showers. Uh, something strips him, uh, and then uh, second case being, of nudity. Yeah, another another nice bit of bum. And then we get a towel starts whipping him uh, on the backside. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then out of the steam from the showers comes Freddy. And he uh, gives the teacher a good old slash across the back. And then the shower starts running with blood. And then after that, the uh, the steam dissipates and it's Jesse stood there and he's wearing the blood. And then we get another of Jesse's screams. Primo. Such a primo scream. They, they realised that he was good at that, didn't they? Just like, All right, let's just drop that into give, every Give me another one of those. Uh then next we see of Jesse is returned home by a couple of police who say that they found him wandering around naked, uh, which, which again, you think there would be more questions asked about that uh, or more repercussions than just, oh, wandering, stark bollock naked. Oh, and Keep the next an day, was, the, the coach that he doesn't like found, was found dead. Should we interview that guy that we found naked wandering the streets around the time that his body was found? Nah, don't be fine. Should be fine. Who, who went to the school where uh, he was a teacher? <laughs> uh, 
Yeah, and his, his parents uh, just accuse him of taking drugs, but he says he's not doing any. And then tries to go to school again. And when he gets there, there's ambulances and police and Ron tells him that the PE teacher got killed. Uh, and then we get another Jesse waking up. And the uh, this time the glove is in his top drawer and it, it's gone full Adam's family. It's uh, wandering around by itself, scratching at, uh, the, at the drawer and whatnot. Uh, but he puts it on and opens a door on the landing and there is a skipping girl similar to the first film. And she's singing the uh, the Freddy nursery rhyme, uh, but not happens this time. And then uh, it gets to the uh, the morning where Jesse asks his dad, uh, you know, how how did they get the house? Uh, you know, did you know about what was happening? And he said, you know, of course I did. You know, that's how we got a good deal on it. Dad, how come it took him five years to sell this house? Oh, I don't know. Couldn't get the right price, I suppose. You didn't know anything about the murder across the street? And the crazy girl that lived here that saw the whole thing? They told me something about it, yeah, but You I... mean you knew something about this and oh, you... come on, Cheryl. How do you think we got such a good deal here, huh? Did they tell you that that girl lost her mind and her mother killed herself in our living room? What? Did they tell you that? And while they're, uh, they're having an argument about it, the, uh, the toaster sets on fire. Uh, it turns out it was never plugged in. <laughs> this is getting spooky now. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, while these uh, happenings are going on, uh, Lisa drives Jesse to uh, the plant that housed the boiler room where Freddie used to work. Uh, she said that she read about it in Jesse's diary, and it turns out this Freddie character uh, drove 20 kids uh, to the boiler room and uh, from there they were killed and they uh, while they're there they see a, a locker uh, which Jesse gets drawn to uh, they open it and all that's there is an adorable little mouse yeah and that's the most scariest part of that scene apparently not the being in a place where 20 children were murdered but oh no rat don't like that he was, was a really cute one as well I liked him yeah the animals in this movie are great until the end until the end, yeah. Uh, but then it's where you see a point of view shot. Uh, it starts in the uh, the cellar, and it goes right the way up the stairs to Jesse's sister's room. And Freddie's voice tells her to wake up. Uh, but when she does, and she asks what time it is, it's Jesse that's standing over, and he's wearing the glove. Mm-hmm. Uh, so at this point, he decides that he's. He can't really go to sleep. Starts doing the uh, sleeping pill. Uh, sorry, you know, the stay awake pills, the lack of sleeping pills, uh, and mainlining coffee, uh, which it's just what you do in this situation. Uh, and then next we see it's the uh, the pool party that was mentioned earlier, Ooh. and Lisa is naturally very concerned. She goes over to him in the. Uh, it's a little cabana, I think they said, isn't it? And he tries to console him and uh, you know, just help him with, with everything that's going on. And ends up with them doing a little bit of kiss. And they uh, they begin to get busy. 
that's when Jesse gets a, a big long tongue uh, yep. sticking out of his mouth, and he has, another, he, he has another man's tongue in his mouth. Well, if he plays his cards right, Matt, and uh, yeah, he uh, he does a runner. And where does and, he uh, run to? He runs straight to Ron's house. Thank you for that wonderful uh, <laughs> passage there. So he runs to Ron's house and basically tells Ron that he killed the PE teacher. Uh, he's all messed up and he say, asks Ron to uh, to watch him while he sleeps. So, you know, like in the, uh, the first one, if anything starts to happen, stop me, wake me up. And Ron agrees to it. Uh, but before too long, Jesse starts to wake up and the knife glove starts forcing its way out of his body now. And this is actually looks really great. This, bit. It's, this is one of my scenes that I would show people to be like, look, this movie's really good. Watch this specific scene. The, the, yeah. The, the, the knife's coming out of his fingers. And it's, then it's also the, the thing for me was that it started on the, his arm. Mm. And you start to see the jumper like forcing its way out of the skin and stuff. It's gross. And like there's some bits where if you stare too much at it, you can see the puppetry being a little bit shoddy. But in general, they they do it so quickly and so beautifully. This great body horror, the face merging, like like from the first movie coming out of the wall, but coming out of his chest and stomach area. And then him slicing himself open and then just pulling out and wasn't just this wet flesh suit of Jesse just falling on the ground as Freddy stands up. So, really, really solid uh, practical effects on this. Yep. Uh, so, yeah, so Freddy does crawl his way out of the chest. Uh, this whole time that Ron's trying to get out of the room, but the, uh, the locks are uh, preventing him. Uh, Eventually, Freddy grabs Ron by the neck and stabs him right through the body and the door. Mm-hmm. Uh, while his dad's on the other side trying to get in, but then disappears without a trace after this bit. <laughs> and yeah, so in the side of the room, Freddy is in the mirror, but Jesse's the one in the room and he's there covered in blood wearing the glove. Uh, so runs away, uh, finds Lisa, and they, you know tells her what's happening. And yeah, it cuts to the uh, the pool party, uh, and it is where the pool starts to heat up. We got some sausages spontaneously combusting, beers pop open, and then, like in Ron's room, locks suddenly start locking by themselves, mm-hmm. and. This again, Jesse turns into Freddy again, and say so Lisa hits him with a lamp and legs it. He catches her, gives her a good old bite on the leg. Nice nibble. And gets a, a kick in the chops for his trouble. Yeah. And Lisa scurries away, grabs a and grabs a knife. Uh, Freddy walks up to her confronts, confronting her, and then in Jesse's voice, uh, basically tells Lisa to kill him. Mm-hmm. And Lisa stabs, but it does not. And this is a bit where I was saying earlier where Freddy stops looking particularly scary. He looks a bit it's rubbery. So, Not much. Yeah. He, he looks a bit well. inflated, I mm. would say. It's like there's not much definition in the face. It 
the more light you expose on it, the less good it looks. But I think that was Freddy's problem always. He, he looked better in the dark once it being hidden away. I think in this movie, this movie is the movie he most notably looks like Robert England. Mm. Like, even with the makeup on, you're like, oh, yeah, Robert England. And you can see all Robert England's features and uh, and everything, and it, it doesn't... Like you say, it's a bit greasy as well. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, once Lisa tries to stab him... Uh, and it does note he, uh, he grabs her and, you know, instead of killing her, like he's done with every other character in the film so far, he just throws her against the wall and then dives through some French doors and mm-hmm. disappears. And the party just takes a moment to settle down and then pool, a, he jumps out the pool. I do think that jumping through the porch scene is really good as well. Cause you can see the rest of the door continue to fall as Freddie disappears. And again, it's just a real subtle thing, but I was just like, I wouldn't know how to have done that. And it looks great. These just all these small things that they, you can see the attention to detail, the, the care that was put into this movie. Yeah. And then the problems I've got here is the really start disappearing out of the realm of what I, what I think Freddie's all about. Like, why is he now suddenly in the real world? Um, terrorizing load you know he's doing that and then he's terrorizing loads of kids at the pool which i know we're going to get to mm-hmm. and i'll talk about this bit now i'm going to wait till the end but i'll talk about this bit now and it's something that matthew brought up last time is like what is freddie's power set well because, what are the walls because the thing the thing people always say and i don't know if i'm repeating myself from last time the thing people always say is you know the thing about freddie is it gets you in your sleep but then by the second movie, he can control birds. <laughs> the temperature he, in the real world. He's good at making the temperature in the real world hot. He can possess people. You see, that bit of the film, I don't mind. I don't mind that Freddy's living inside. Because I'm a big fan of that aspect. And, you know, the bit when well, he em- emerges from Jesse is a good bit as well. But it's like they really monkey with a with what I think Freddy's all about, which is you can't go to sleep or you'll die. But in this movie, you can't go to sleep and you can't stay awake either. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, for this one, I don't think he gets anyone in the sleep, does he? No. You know, and my, my thinking was, is that the way that if I was to, to go about this, given what sort of the framework we've been given for the film is it would just make much more sense to me that, you know, all these murders are happening while Jesse's asleep and he's, you know, he's being sleepwalking, he's controlled. And when, when you see these kills, I always think, well, I say, I always think I, I thought once while watching this for the first <laughs> time is it would have been much more interesting to see very innocent dreams. You know, Jesse could just be, you know, in the woods and he's setting a tent up and he's tying, you know, the, the, the ropes to a tree. And then you cut to the PE teacher and he's been tied up and slaughtered. Oh, that's interesting. You, know, no, see, that's you see not nothing of the actual murders. You see a, a nice dream and, you know, Freddie's around while it's happening. And then you get to the real world and, and a dude's been killed 
Mm. I do in, think that in that, that same way. I do think that this movie's problem is that the rest of the movies exist. Because at this point, we've had one Nightmare on Elm Street movie, just the one. So the fact that they changed some of the rules is absolutely illegible, in my opinion. I think it's fine to change the rules. We've only got one movie to base it off, and all they did was just change the powers. Now, obviously, this was a huge act of contention for the fans of the original movies. But then they immediately just dismissed all of the second movie rules and then just went back to that first one. Don't get me wrong, love Dream Warriors. They stuck to the same formula for yeah, the rest even, of the movies. And even in the first movie, we said in the episode, his yeah. powers are questionable. Like, there is no rules. Like, how did um, I think it might exist in one of the sequels, but how did Freddy suddenly become a dream monster? It's like he was just a child murderer, and then suddenly. Well, I also can now, uh, if I die, I do come back and kill people in their dreams. That's just another thing I can do. It's never really explained. And I think, and again, this is the only time, if, again, feel free to uh, comment and say that I'm wrong and uh, another example. Only time we ever see Freddy in the real world killing people. Only time. The rest of the movies are all in the dreams. Or if he does get pulled out of the dreamscape, He's not really ki- running around killing people. It's the end sequence is him being defeated because he's out of his power realm. And this is the first time that we're getting to see this. And it's for some reason people hate this. And I'm like, this is cool. This is Freddie just being able to go around massacring people, Jason mm. Voorhees style. Yeah, just- I, I think my, my problem that I have with it is that it, there are rules like we've spoken about, that seem to be very easy to define. Mm. And at no point has anyone sort of taken the time to do it and to really set the start as to, right, this is what this character is, this is what he can do, and then work from there. You know, it seems to be that a lot of the time they've, they've sort of written the scene and chosen something quite vague to do and go, yeah, this kind of works, so we'll take it. This is what we want the scene to be. So that's what the rules for Freddy Krueger is going to be for this scene. Yeah. To be honest, I do do think that's more of a problem in the first one than this. I I think this one is pretty consistent in that he's he's just uh, possessing Jesse. Through, through, Through Jesse's dreams, he's possessing Jesse. And he's getting to come into the real world, which is something that Freddy wanted to do. Again, like within the context of this movie alone, the rules make sense. It's only when you look at the, the franchise and the whole, where wasn't they abandon a lot of this stuff that came in the second movie, that it starts to show the holes. Like, oh, that's a weird scene, because he never does that in any of the other movies. Well, they, he could have. In fact, the third, fourth, and fifth movie, they just abandon all the rules that happened in the second movie. Not what happened, not who's abandoned all the rules. They've abandoned all the rules. Yeah, there's definitely, uh, well, I, I think I'll be better commented to put this, to talk about this like after. Okay, yeah, yeah, covered yeah, at least yeah. a third next week. Uh, but I do, th- I think, saying how this consistent one, yeah, Jesse hasn't woken up since he goes into Ron's room, does he? So he goes into Ron's room, falls asleep, and then all this happens while he's 
I guess, technically still asleep. So, yeah, most consistent within the film, massively inconsistent from <laughs> from the last franchise. One. Uh, right. So actually, we picked a really good time to talk about that because it was just that the uh, the little lull in the uh, the party where things calmed down. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Until Freddy jumps out and uh, havoc ensues, uh, the, the, the there's quite a lot going on in this bit, so I'm not going to go through all of them specifically. I'm just going to say my favourite killing. Well, it's not a kill, is it? In this bit, but the uh, we we see the fence around the pool go hot, and a guy try to escape and touches it, and she goes, "Ooh!" and walks <laughs> away from it. Ouchie! I think that's that's my favourite bit in the. Uh, in the whole film, I think it was, uh, yeah, it was really bad, but wonderful then, at the same time. Yeah. One of the only deaths that, because there's not, it's not not a big death count movie, but I love the one guy in the yellow shirt that everyone's running trying to find an exit. This guy just starts running, and Freddie just he's running towards Freddie, and Freddie yeah, just, just stabs him in the gut, and it's like, hand right was, through it. <laughs> where was he going? Where, like, I'm just gonna. Just go past, mate. Do you mind if I just go past you? And then Freddie just stabs us. Ah, you didn't let me go past. Well, quick. It's not as bad as this <laughs> next guy because an absolute nerd tries Freddy, to reason Freddy. Freddy. It's okay, man. We're cool. We're cool. Yeah. He gets dealt with. <laughs> uh, and then, yeah, Lisa's dad comes out after that and uh, he's just an absolutely terrible, terrible shot. Hmm. In this scene, there's some really great visuals, like Freddy standing there with the fire, you know, arms yeah. wide with the fire behind him. And I also really like the bit where he shoot uh, after being shot at, he turns and he's looking at uh, Lisa. And it's just this, again, with the flames, for some kind of licking off his face. I think Freddy just looks terrifying here because it's almost weak, but again, this scarred, disgusting, wet-looking, greasy man wasn't just staring back. Again, I think that just looks creepy. And, but yeah, and it's at that point where he, uh, he disappears. And then Lisa drives away to the old plant uh, from earlier. And when she gets there, she's met by two absolutely gross dogs with human faces. Mm-hmm. Uh, Those dogs. Yeah, they, they were, they were not, they were not lookers. Mm-hmm. Uh yeah, she wanders around the uh, the plant a bit, and we see some pretty manky-looking rats and cats this time. <laughs> they weren't the adorable mouse of uh, scenes gone by. Oh. And she also sees that the bite that she got from Freddy earlier on her leg has gone all manky. Uh, and then, yeah, she keeps wandering around and eventually runs into uh, to Freddy, and they have a bit of a scuffle, and uh, they separate. And yeah, this is where Lisa tells Freddie that she's not afraid of him. And she tells Jesse that she loves him. And so this is the bit where it's weakening Freddie because he, again, it's not really explained before, but he appears to uh, be powered by fear. Mm-hmm. And yeah, he starts to, uh, to to get weaker and Lisa goes over to him. And she, uh, she gives uh, him a little kiss. Uh, at this point, loads of valves in the plant start opening and things start setting on fire and uh, Freddy burns to death. Or does he? Oh. Yeah, Ooh. out of uh, out of his 
apparent corpse. It starts to move and uh, Jesse emerges like a, a chrysalis out of the chrysalis of Freddy, like a, a beautiful, beautiful butterfly. butterfly. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I've lost my place in the notes now thinking about beautiful <laughs> butterflies. <laughs> uh, and yeah, and then him and Lisa have a cuddle and then we get to see the next day where everyone's smiley and happy and the weather's lovely. Yeah. And uh, he, yeah, he goes to school on the bus again. And uh, just like the start of the movie, it starts speeding off and rattling around. Right. Uh, but this time it eventually stops. You know, everything's calm. And uh, yeah, Lisa, Lisa's friend that sat behind Jesse tells him, don't worry, it's all over. And then the glove bursts out through the uh, Hooth chest, alien style. Oh, no. And the credits roll. Yep. So quickly, because hopefully one of you might know why. In that end scene, Jesse has his arms bandaged. And I tried to look it up and I couldn't figure out why. Burned? <laughs> Maybe. I yeah, think- that, that would be my... I didn't actually notice that, but yeah, that would be my it- thinking. The only reason I, I noticed it is because it's very, and again, like, I don't want to kind of like darken the tone. It's very similar to like bandages that you'd wear if you tried to commit suicide. Like, also, if you tried to sit your wrist, uh, Simon Pegg in At World's End had very similar, you know, bandages, what's the name was hiding. And I was like, is there something there that I missed? Is this like a deleted scene? And I just could not find anything online to kind of like indicate why they decided. Because again, Everything is deliberate. You don't put an actor on screen that isn't deliberately wearing the clothes that you want him to be wearing. So they made him wear this and it's just not explained. And that drives me crazy. I never thought about it. It was the 80s. Anything, was, the fashion. 80s. Anything yeah, was fashion. Yeah, that's true. That is true as well. <laughs> <laughs> so obviously we know that I really, I enjoyed this movie. What did you guys think? And like... Obviously, I bought you Frighteners last time, and that didn't go down well. Uh, well, I'll, we'll, we'll start with the uh, what the internet says first. Okay. Uh, so we, we've got Rotten Tomatoes, which is, is very low. So it's a 40% critic score and a 33% audience. Mm-hmm. Uh, IMDB is a 5.4. So this is quite bad. But I would say Letterboxd is saying 2.8, which is pretty good for uh average, score yeah. so I, i'm saying that just from those numbers because i mean rotten tomatoes it's it's critic reviews it's very relevant to when the film's released but yeah. letterbox is much more modern much more you know uh up to date so, so it looks as if it's gone through you know, a bit of a reappraisal i think it's getting a bit more popular as as time's going on yeah or you've just reviewed it a lot of times and we've not noticed uh honestly the amount of dummy accounts is really <laughs> difficult and no one gives me enough credit for it <laughs> uh but yeah i I'll, I'll give it my uh out of our three pronged reviews of, of shit mm-hmm. ooh that's spooky and a creative psychopath uh i'm, I'm actually going to go middle of the road as well yeah. i'm going to give that an, an ooh that's spooky uh that's fair because it does a lot of things that i think are very fun uh i think the the thing that I really didn't like about the film is basically from the start, well, after the first scene to the pool party, 
it gets extremely repetitive where it's dream, school, home, dream, school, home. It does, it goes through that loop like three or four times. And I just think it's just, I don't want to say badly paced because it moves on, but it's just group some of those scenes together, play them a bit differently, you know. It, yes, one of the things that uh, if you ever do end up rewatching it, if you notice the costumes, there's some editing issues because he repeats a lot of the costumes in various different scenes. Like he wears the clothes that he was wearing when he was tidying up his room the next day. And then he had his pajamas also are the ones that he apparently lost when uh, the coach was killed. He's wearing the next night. It's like all of these things. It appears that they shot this movie in a certain order and then they changed their mind and cut it all up and then spread it all over the place. And I think that's really hurts the movie. Yeah, I think that's, that, that, that was my main takeaway from watching it. Uh, I'd say that the second time uh, to do, you know, writing the notes up for this, when you actually write it down, you realize how often you're saying, he went to school, he woke up, he went to school, he, went, you know, he came home, he had an argument with his dad, you know? And it's... Yeah, they could have lumped a lot of these scenes together and just kind of made the pace a bit more brisker. Yeah, I think there's, well, you, you know, like you said about, you know, the editing issues, I think there's a better cut of this. Yeah, somewhere. for sure. Uh, but I didn't hate it by any means. Here we go. <laughs> Milk this tension for all it's worth. Right. Okay. Um, I will say that I enjoyed this much more going in this, uh, the second time than I did the first. And, you know, going on to what Alice is going to talk about, and I don't want to touch on it too much because it's not my thing, but um, I've grown more and more of a person since watching it the first time to watching mm-hmm. it this time. So I can, I can look past some of the things that, probably held me back a bit last time and you know obviously i love horror movies anyway um so like but the the and the things that i do like about it is it's a very 80s movie it really is <laughs> um but at some points that feels like it's to the detriment of it being a horror movie like they try to make it more of an 80s movie than than it should have done from things like being in school too much and, um, uh, a, you know, an aggressive gym coach, those things that are sort of, I would say, 80s school movie tropes and obviously dancing around the bedroom, which actually I quite enjoy. It's an enjoyable <laughs> scene for me that. Um, it was uh, it was because of Risky Business, you know, yeah, saw Tom yeah. Cruise do it and they were like, oh, we'll just do that as well. And I sort of liked that, um, sorry, I've forgotten the name of the actor, but that Jesse, he does give me a sort of Michael J. Fox vibe. And at, some, Patton, yeah. at some points he looks like Mark Hamill. Um, I am getting to a point probably at some point. Let me just keep, let me just keep talking. But there are, there, there are things that obviously bugged me in terms of, you know, like I wasn't a big fan of the way Freddie looked. I really didn't like it really bugged me that when Freddy's on screen, he's not actually wearing his glove. He's got the, the blades are coming out of his fingers. Yeah. And it really, it really bugs me because, um, 
that that gloves add so much to the character. But on the flip side of that, when they cut to Jesse wearing it, it usually that's usually works really well. But I just wish they'd kept the glove on him. Because hmm. going back through this documentary that I've been watching, um, that glove was so heavy that the way that it made Robert Eglund walk in such a in such a way that it was a development of the character. So um overall I'm gonna give it an ooh, that's scary because it there just isn't enough in it for me to be a creative psychopath. Um but it's better than a shit. Yeah. And it didn't make me angry to watch it and I was well. I watched. I watched it a third. I watched it a third time because I like. I like to do that anyway. And mm. like I say, um, oh, the other thing that sort of bugged me is that, and I know this is going to be a really weird thing to be annoyed about, is that the coach getting killed is really odd because very, it's very crazy adults getting killed in these things. It's true, uh, and I know that's a bit a bit of an odd one, and. I didn't. Oh, so I said that made you like, maybe not annoyed, but kind of like perturbed you enough. To go, oh, that's a weird thing. Didn't enjoy that. Yeah, because the other hand of it as well is that the coach is a really bad character. So it's mm. like we can be, we can watch that and go, oh, I'm glad he's dead. Um, Would you but- say that for this film, it doesn't say so part of the detriment is it doesn't follow that rule is that when you kill a character, You've got to show them being a dick first. Like even if it's a, a, a good character, you, they've got to have some sort of character flaw that makes the kill. I don't think it's something a hard and fast rule. Cheer for. It? Yeah, like certainly as the slasher genre got deeper into it, it's like I would just fill this movie with unlikable characters so mm. people enjoy the deaths rather than feel sad or uncomfortable by it. Because think- with the teacher, there the was that, wasn't there? You know, he's shown to be like a bit of a bully and a bit of a uh, sort of a hard ass in the school. But mm. certainly, like with Ron, uh, he starts off being like that bit of a dick, but then he kind of becomes friends and he's you know been placed in that position of trust. And he that's when he just gets gets killed off, and it's it just doesn't don't feel quite right. Yeah, with with the kills in it. Uh, I mean, apart from that nerd, I mean, he, he had what was coming to him. He <laughs> certainly deserved that. Uh, but yeah, a lot of the time, I just kind of thought there was a bit of uh, sort of killing for, I mean, killing for killing's sake. It's a horror film, but it wasn't, uh, it wasn't like as cheer worthy as you quite often want to see. Yeah, yeah. Oh. And I, I agree with you, like killing for killing's sake. But if you look at like a Jason, for example, most of the kills in that are, are like over the top, and you know they're worth watching. Whereas most of the kills in this, although actually I do quite enjoy the coach's kill, um, but Ron's one, and and I think that they that they lost budget or something, so they couldn't film the sort of death that they really wanted to for him, and. Well, if you look at the first one, you 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 mentioned this yourself with the last review, is that the kills look almost a little low budget, but that's 
the benefits of it that you like it's the alien the jaws where it's you don't get to see as much as you want so a lot of it is left to your imagination seeing those claws come out the other side of the door and then just seeing the life drain out one's face i think it's a little bit more effective than if you just see guts pouring out that's a different kind of movie that you're watching now yeah yeah i did i did i, I like the execution of the kills I just kind of thought that they came sort of at the wrong time for characters. Like if you sort of, with the way that they were building in the film, if Ron's death came at the time that the PE teacher's death was, Hmm. like he'd been a jerk up to that point. So you'd be kind of like, yeah, he had that coming. And you'd sort of get on side and follow it a bit, uh, a bit more gleefully. Uh, But I didn't get that too much. Never thought there was any deaths where I thought, I was able to revel in it sort of thing. Yeah. I, I, again, a good home, like the, the fun slasher movies, like especially like four onwards for this franchise, at least is very much, Oh, this is fun deaths. This is something you can have fun with and it's silly. And you might squirm a little bit when there might be one character. You're like, Oh, I kind of like them, but you also forget they exist five minutes after they're dead. This one, I think does have some effectiveness and I, I you know, I'm, I'm probably going to go with an Uda Spooky, even though I really love this movie, because I do mm. see the faults. I'm not going to pretend that this movie is amazing when I know that it's not amazing. But I do love this movie. And I love this movie for lots of reasons. I think that it's so easy to just stick to a formula that they know that works and just go with it again. If they just went with, oh, this time it's another girl and she's having nightmares and it's Freddy and her friends are getting killed and let's repeat the same movie, which is so easy and predictable to do. They did take huge risks with this movie and they did try something so unique. And again, changing the way that Freddy looks is a risk. And then originally, wasn't they tried to get uh, Robert England. He wanted too much money. They said, fine, we'll get someone else. And then they were like, nah, we're going to get Robert England. This is... This is a mammoth task and we do not want anyone except Robert England to do Freddy. And again, the fact that they tried something so brave with this body possession, the fact that there's so few kills as well, you know, there is the coach, then there's Ron, then there's a few people also that get quickly killed. Yeah, that nerd. There's a few kills in quick succession and that's it. it. Other things to make notice of is the fact that most of the kills are male. Uh, You know, don't get me wrong, lots of men die in horror movies, but almost no female characters die in this movie. Mm. And even when female characters are at threat, the threats are less dangerous. I will say, you know, the guys just get brutalized and the women get terrorized, and it's a difference. Now, obviously, Elephant in the Room time. This movie's really gay, guys. It's really gay. And as a queer person myself, I think that it's something that I really, it's really gravitated to me. Again, not being able to see a lot of good queer representation in cinema, subtext or actual text. Seeing this movie, it's something that did make me come back to it. It's like, what is it about this movie? Oh, right. Yeah, I'm, I'm massively queer. Well, so I'm, this is what keeps bringing me back to this movie. Uh, so I'd be interested to know, how did you guys feel about like the queer subtext of this movie, you know, as heterosexual men? I, it's, I think because I've 
come into it now when I'm much As more used to it. it. It's it's just something that feels just more part and parcel of watching films now. You know you, that we you know we get more of those stories, so it doesn't feel revolutionary to me. Yeah, but that's because, because I'm watching had... it with 2022 eyes on exactly, rather than yeah, you know, 1986 eyes. Yeah, I mean, I remembered it being like worse. I don't want to say worse. I don't feel like, but I, I remember that it be be more in your face the first mm. time I watched it. But that was probably twenty years ago. Um, and watching it this time, I was I went in ready for that, and I was like, eh, "There's not a lot in this, really. I don't feel like it. It's." Um, but again, it's like Matthew said, you're going in with different eyes, you know, it's absolutely. So the thing is to remember is that this movie bombed hard when it came out. And obviously that subtext was very prevalent. This is mid 80s. We're just getting over the worst parts of the AIDS epidemic in America. And people weren't ready for this kind of movie. And the subtext got talked about quite a lot. And the directors kind of threw Mark. Uh, what was his name? Uh, Mark Patton under the bus, who was a gay actor, but not out yet. And they said, oh, the reason this movie is so gay is because our lead actor was gay. And he kind of put that out there. So not only did they out him, they also blamed him for why this movie wasn't good, which obviously is a really disgusting way to do it. Uh, he ended up retiring from movies because obviously not really the most accepting place for that kind of stuff back then. And yeah, eventually he ended up uh, this found second life in gay bars and on the internet when Muslim it started to become understandable. So, oh, there's this really, really fun, silly camp horror movie from the 80s where it's got a lot of gay, gay context and there's so much gay shit in this and it's brilliant. Uh, it, when he comes running into Ron's bedroom, jumps on him, and he even says, oh, there's someone out there trying to get into my body. And he's like, yeah, she's female and you want to sleep with me. Something is trying to get inside my body. Yeah, and she's female and she's waiting for you in the cabana. And you want to sleep with me. Look, I don't care if you believe me or not. Hey, I believe you. You've had some scary dreams, okay? There's no subtext in that scene. <laughs> there's no subtext in the scene. Like They go to an actual gay level bar to film a scene where they are at an S&M level bar. The coach is clearly coded as a closeted gay man. And as I said before, the fact that he, uh, Jesse kills, uh, you know, his coach was something that approached him in a gay bar and also, you know, it was very sexually charged moment. The fact that he kills his best friend, air quotes, whatever that relationship was, which was very sexually charged as well. Like the first thing that those two guys get up to is pull each other's pants down. There is, there is context right there. And that's why he found such a second life in queer communities. Having this suddenly come up, Mark Patton agreed to do a documentary called Scream Queen, My Nightmare on Elm Street. And it's incredible if you get a chance to watch it it's really interesting uh, documentary where he actually gets to confront the director and say hey what the hell man and it's really amazing and it's 
it's something that obviously is 2022 stuff like this is maybe not normal there's nothing really normal about this movie but the fact that it exists and it it's existed this whole time and the fact that people dismissed it as a bad movie when it is far from a bad movie it's maybe not the most cleanest or the best horror movie of the 80s it's not even the best nightmare on elm street movie but the fact that people overlooked it because of its queerness is a real shame because there's some really great moments outside of its gay subtext there's so much great stuff in there as i said the body transformation scene was great uh the bus scene at the beginning was amazing and it tried something really amazing and i think a lot of people and again you can watch this whole movie on net uh, on youtube for free so anyone that's even second guessing about watching this movie watch it for free it's like an hour and a half movie so with with, with all that then uh would you possibly say that actually two two things actually i would say would you say that the movie ultimately at the end pulls its punches then in that it ends with a I mean, of, of course it's 1986 it was always going to end this way but with, with 2022 eyes would you say that it pulled its punches being that it ended with you know a heterosexual relationship at the end of the film so Robert England actually has uh, an opinion on this which he says that this movie is actually a bisexual movie and that Freddie represents that anxiety Jesse had for his queer side you know so he, he kills all the the sexual attractions that he has in his life, wasn't the, the domineering coach, wasn't the best friend. And when it comes to uh, Lisa, Freddie literally gets his own tongue involved and wasn't tries to sexually uh, be a part of that. When he's attacking Lisa, he's biting her leg rather than wasn't using the, his claws to kill her. Like he is using Jesse to be like, hey, go, uh, progress in this straight relationship. And at the end of the movie, he's like, actually, no, like I can have both sides. And also, you know, he gets to understand his sexuality, whether he ends up with Lisa or not. He has got rid of that anxiety and those demons, those, that cloud of nightmares that he's having about his repressed sexuality. And I really like that interpretation. So would that, so to, or to extend that metaphor then? Would you think that perhaps, uh, you know, if Freddie's representing a straight and, and Jesse is as sort of the gay halves of, of this one hall, with the way that Freddie dies and sort of Jesse sort of emerges from, from that chrysalis, I mean, would you say that that is, cause I mean, a minute ago, I was looking at that saying, is that potentially quite offensive that he's, gone through this uh, transformation and emerged as into a relationship with a woman. Uh, but would you say that, you know, it's possibly the case that it's actually, you know, it's taken the gay road in that. Potentially. And again, like it's him come to terms with his own, you know, again, I don't think Freddie represents like uh the straight side. I think it's that anxiety of knowing that you're queer and not knowing how to represent it. The fact that, as I said, he murders the, the queer aspects in his life. Freddie 
kills the queer aspects of his life. He's like, I have to kill Freddy. Otherwise, this person, I'm going to become Freddy. I'm going to be a self-hating queer person. And it's only with love of a very close friend relationship. Again, if we have this bisexual analogy here, what's he's like, he could be partnered up with Lisa and that's not a problem. He's like, no, well, so I can be who I am. I don't have to have this anxiety of my sexuality ruining any relationship that I have. And I think that, as I said, is an interesting context. I do think that they, like, because they didn't want to, they didn't make a outwardly gay movie. They made a subtext movie. And even the director, uh, as I said, blamed it all on Mark Powell. Now, nowadays, he's like, oh, yeah, this was intentional this whole time. We, we definitely planned this to be a, a queer allergy. And it's like, no, you didn't, because you've been denying it this whole time. But so if, if, if he did, that just makes the treatment of it even worse, doesn't it, really? Yeah. Yeah, it, it's a, again, there's some really good queer horror movies that are not subtext and they have the outward text and they are worth tracking down if you wanted to go watch those. But yeah, they are few and far between, unfortunately. But yeah, this one has still got a special place in my heart. Sweet. Yeah, good. Um, I think, uh, well, I appreciate your, your outlook on that one. I do, because obviously we we can't give her any real context to it or we shouldn't even try to. Um but yeah, it's 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 always been a big part of that movie's history. Um, but in the interest of time, let's keep moving. Yep, it's it's getting nearly to sleep time. Yeah, Samba pie. So, oh yeah, so we we all gave that a new. It's scary then. So it's a uh, middle of the road for everybody. Um, yeah. Although I think we may have talked around talked around enough to it to say. At least go watch it. Yeah. Um, oh, we haven't done the Facebook. Sorry. Oh yeah. Uh, we we did get some uh, some comments for this one, uh, so I shall grab them for us now. And right, we have. Uh, well, actually, we started with Laura, who uh, was just asking when the recording was. Uh, the recording's tonight. Uh, it's happening as as we speak. Uh, although by the time that you hear this, it will have been several days ago. You missed it, Laura. Yeah, I, I apologise for that. <laughs> but then, then the other comment we got was from uh, from Faye, uh, who said that she watched it, but it's not very good. <laughs> I, I hope that our conversation may have, uh, have turned you around a bit for that one, because uh, so I certainly had a lot of fun with it. Yeah. All right. Lovely. So now I can move us on properly. <laughs> yes. So what is your weirdest night, worst weirdest nightmare and how would Freddie get you? So uh, when you asked me this, I was like, oh, cool. And I immediately was like, oh, this one, this one. And I was like, oh, wait, no, that's, that's just trauma. That was just me dealing with trauma. And I don't like that. So I was like, oh, no, this one, this one. Nope, that's just different trauma. So I ended up with having to really rack my brain. So I'm saying that was just fun. A nightmare which was just fun and didn't relate to any real life trauma. And uh, my mum pulled me aside when uh, she listened to the last episode I was on and said, you threw me under the bus. You kept saying that I made you watch these awful movies when it was your fault. You asked for this. And I was like, okay, cool, cool, cool. And then I remembered, oh, yeah, I also begged my mum to watch this 
uh, The X-Files. It was really popular at the time. And I watched an episode, one episode called Humbug. And it's about a freak show, I guess the best term to call it was at the time. Uh, and there was a conjoined twin and the conjoined twin was actually alive and removed itself from the body and went around killing the other freaks to also try to get a new brother because he hated his brother. It's a dumb episode and it scared me so much that I had nightmares of something crawling into my bed and tearing open my stomach to also then be my new brother. This might also be trauma because of my, I hate my younger brother. Never mind. Well, so we're moving on. <laughs> it's, it's dumb. It's worth a watch because of how silly it is. It's on Disney I remember Plus. that one. I remember that episode. So silly. It's so silly. But yeah, that gave me nightmares for a long time. Uh, and how would Freddy kill me? I actually do have a recurring dream. And I think I mentioned last time, I have a irrational fear of sharks. And my repetitive dream that I kept having is being either... It's like I'm in an aquarium, like one of those sea life centers, and I've got these huge glass walls in front of me surrounded with water. And I can see these large creatures just floating in there. It could be a whale, it could be a shark, and I don't know. And slowly the glass starts to break and I get drowned. Also, I just get hit with this water and I can feel myself floating in this water. And I start to see and feel these creatures, these large monsters just coming at me, swimming past me. And that's normally when I wake up. One of those monsters is going to have Freddy's face and he's going to eat me. That's exactly what's going to happen. I'm going to be drowning. This huge wall of water hitting me. I'm going to drown. And then Freddy just turns up and just swallows me whole. And that's how he's going to kill me in a fun Nightmare on Elm Street way. You know, I was actually at a Sea Life Center once. And where that tunnel was, you had to sort of go down some steps. They were quite dark and, and a bit, like, it's quiet. It was only me that was going there. Uh, I was walking down the steps going, you know, wouldn't it be bad if this whole thing just broke and came out? And then just as I was you know, sort of drifting off thinking about that, the person that I went with just jumped out and absolutely, it, it's <laughs> the, the biggest jump scare I've ever had in life that is, <laughs> that, uh, that happened. So yeah, that, that would, that would get me as well. Yeah. Yeah. It must've made you painted quite the scary picture there. Yeah. And also, uh, might have been after I started watching Jaws 3 as well. Now I, I was going to say, I think that happens in Jaws 3. Yeah. Yeah. That's another really bad movie that I kind of like. <laughs> Me too. I'm with you on that one. I'm with you on that one. Well, Michael Caine was in it. Uh, that was number four. That one is not redeemable. I was going to say, because he didn't like it, but he did like the house it bought. Absolutely. Yes. And good yeah. on you. No, Jaws Michael 4 is a, bit, uh, is a bit rubbish. Mm-hmm. Uh, right, so uh, best sleepover movie. Have you thought of another one, Matthew? For my sleepover film, then I'm going to pick a film that I've not actually seen. Mm. So, uh, going back to sort of when 2003, so I was sort of 12, 13. Oh. Uh, I had a friend who sort of lived across the street from me and he went to different schools. So, it was sort of the time where we, we stopped doing the same sleepovers because we got sort of different friends in different schools. And he told me about a film called Darkness Falls and proselytized about it. 
Like it, it genuinely said it was the scariest horror film he's ever seen. Uh, I mean, granted, he was thirteen, so probably not uh, not too great. And then proceeded to tell me it was about some demon called the Tooth Fairy, who literally just acted like the Tooth Fairy and kills people when they lost the teeth. Uh, and for some reason, it's it stuck with me enough to remember it, but not enough to actually watch it. So. That is a film that I would pick for a sleepover because I kind of want to now. Yeah, I'm looking it up. It looks terrible. I'm down for that. I yeah. love a bad horror movie from the early 2000s. Absolutely. So I, I remember it was, uh, it was, we used to have a, a video a library sort of around the corner from where we live. And I remember the poster being on the front because he used to line the, the front of the window up with sort of five or six posters. It's actually one of the places where I got my first job uh, and it was the best job you'll ever have. Because mm. uh, I spent all my day uh, watching films uh, and there were never any customers, which eventually turned into be a bad thing because the place closed down. Uh, but I get to spend like six hours a day watching films. And I, yeah, I remember the, vividly the poster there, but it, it, just remember it seeming to... Uh, sort of drop off the face of the earth apart from that. Yeah, the reviews aren't good, are they? <laughs> uh, yeah, back then, I, that would have probably bothered me, but now it's just making me want to watch it more. Yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> so yeah, Darkness Falls. Add it to the list. Okay, I'll let you go next, uh, Alistair. Okay, well, I'm also going to cheat because I've got two uh i couldn't pick between the two of them and the first one i want to uh, say is one i actually did watch with a friend when i invited him around like cool let's just do like a weird sleepover thing come around we'll order a load of junk food and we'll sit here and watch horror movies and the movie i picked was uh return of the living dead an oh, yeah. absolute schlocky funny gory amazingly fun horror movie from the 80s it's just it's got everything that I love about really fun horror movies. Like the zombies get to talk, and, but they only want to talk about brains. It's just brilliant. And the, the effects are amazing as well. And it's just such a, it's a breeze to watch. It doesn't, it's never really a draggy movie. Is that the one with the tar man? Yeah, he's scary. Mm. Like there's little bits that are quite yeah. scary in this movie as well. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. That movie gets enough praise. I want to point out a movie that doesn't get enough praise. And again, really dumb, really schlocky movie. Uh, Slumber Party Massacre 2. Okay. Yes. Uh, so the first one uh, is an interesting movie. It's a Roger Corman production, but it's got female directed. It's female directed. It's a classic slasher. Bunch of sorority girls in a house and they get terrorized by a maniac with a drill. The sequel, also directed by a female, uh, Deborah Brock, uh, Deborah Brock uh, is ridiculous. And the killer this time is not only just a madman, he is a hill, uh, he's like a rockabilly, like Elvis style guy with a guitar with a drill on the end. He goes around killing people. And there's a whole musical segment in the middle where he sings a song chasing after the, the last girl. It's balmy it's absolutely bonkers and it's brilliant just an absolute 
blast of a fun horror movie. You get the thrills, you get the chills, you get the scares, and you get a musical number. Highly recommend Slumber Party Massacre 2. Cool. That sounds that sounds like Yeah, you've sold it to us. That sounds like a lot of fun. I think I think uh we're gonna have to add that one to the add that one to the list. Oh, I'm down to watch that again. Yeah, anyway, there's a movie called Clown from 2016 where um, the dad of a son puts on a clown costume mm-hmm. um, that he finds in the attic, like an old clown costume, and then he can't remove it, and then over time he slowly becomes a demonic clown. Um, it's it's good fun. That was done by the guy who went on to do the new Spider-Man films, isn't it, as well? I think he might be right. I remember that the the guy went on to do some better things. He did. He did Spider-Man Homecoming. John Watts. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It was a cop car as well, I think he did. Hmm. Yeah. So, um, it's good, yeah, it's I would movie. watch that at a sleepover. Yeah, that, that, I enjoyed that film. Yeah, I think uh, I think Eli Roth had something to do with it as well. But I don't yeah. Know, uh, I don't remember. Like, I remember watching it, but I, I think I might have watched it in the wrong kind of frame of mind. And I was just like, this is just a miserable little movie. Don't get me wrong. It's not good, but it's the sort of movie you can at least, um, you know, sit and take the mick out of with your friends. So I, I, I could buy into that. Yeah. 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 I, I, I gave it an, Ooh, that's spooky. All right. Convert, converting the letterbox score. I gave it to, <laughs> yeah, to a proper review system. Well, it's got Pete Stormare in it. I like Pete Stormare. Okay. I, I'm, I, I'm down to watch this again. <laughs> Yeah, see, um, I, I know what I'm going to recommend for next week as well now. <laughs> so that's oh, all good. perfect. Um, right, yeah. So um, that brings us to the end. Then we've we've done it. We've achieved we've achieved our goals. We've done it, guys. We have. We've we've um, finally got into our pajamas. We've sat around, talked about boys. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did that dance from uh, Nightmare on Elm Street too. You did that dance from Nightmare on Elm Street. That was uh, that was that was why we had a bit of a lull there. It's got nothing to do with my laptop. It was, <laughs> you were just doing that lovely dance. I quite liked you closing your drawers with your bum. It was a good one. It was. Yeah, it was. I I, I it I it hurt my hip. I'm too old to be doing that dance. <laughs> um. Yeah, so um, everybody knows what to do by now. Follow all the social medias. Um, I'd say I'll remember to put the links in the description, but I never do, but I might do. But if not, you should join the Facebook group. That's where stuff's going on over there. Um, And I will try and post what movie we're doing next sooner rather than later. Um, And, yeah, that's it. So make sure you have a lie in, everyone. Yeah, have a lay-in. After this lovely sleepover. Have a lay-in. Sleep in. In fact, you guys have a lay-in. I'm going to go downstairs. I'm going to make you some breakfast in bed. I'm going to put on the coffee. You you don't have to get up. I'll sort you out. You relax. Lovely. That's lovely. Right. Well, good night then, everybody. Good night, guys. Good night. See you later. Bye.